Good morning, Kansas City. This is the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHP. Stephen St. John and Nate Bucati with Jake Gutierrez. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. It is Friday. March 1st, baby. February is over. Happy birthday! So, there you go. On to a new month. We'll talk to Stan Weber in studio. We'll have our Border Patrol Fast Break with Gabe DeArman, Jay Heydrich, and Greg Gurley. We, uh, the last conversation we had with him was so good. Scott Sharp comes back on the show again days later to follow up on some of the things. I can't believe what he said last time, but we'll see what he has to say. Can't miss it. Assistant GM of the Kansas City Royals. Last time he was scheduled on the show, he had to. Uh, was, he was called into a meeting. Either that or he realized what show he was booked for and decided to take a step back and rethink things. But we'll try it again today at 8.35 with Scott Sharp, assistant GM of the Kansas City Royals. And then Tim Grunhard uh, on the telephone in the 9 o'clock hour. So there you go. It'll be Grunny's last appearance for a while. How long? Probably till May, till draft time. He's taking April off. We may not talk to him the next yeah. couple of months, huh? That's talk not draft time. It'll be no, there. no, no. Talk, March, all March he's taking off. Sorry, my bad. So he'll be back before the draft. Yes. yes. So say it'd be weird to he came on in May to talk no, about. Hey, May's well. not the draft. March, March. He's taking March off and then coming back right before the draft. All right, he deserves it. That's yeah. fine. You know, but it's it's funny, you know, this that game plan with Grunny um, over the years has changed because there, this, this used to be a downtime for NFL news and NFL talk. And let me tell you something, there ain't no downtime. It is, uh, it's just, it's just no downtime. And we go right, and, and plus because the season lasts so long for the Chiefs nowadays. I mean, with them going to the AFC Championship game every year at least, and then more times than not, not going to the Super Bowl and winning it, things last a lot longer. Well, I mean, hey, that's why they couldn't renovate the damn locker rooms over at the uh, practice facility. There's, they play too many games. The season lasts too long, you know. And so that's what they, that's what they were told. So the team was told. Um but I mean, here we are waiting for any possible trades, dealing with the franchise tag, dealing with the NFL scouting combine, all kinds of interesting stuff with the NFL. So no lack of news there. Now we've got college basketball, big weekend, and I don't know how big is it. Is it I, I think I'm overplaying that now. It's a weekend of college basketball. I don't know if we're... Well, I can tell you, like, Missouri fans don't look at it as a big weekend. I think I've seen a, a decrease in the uh, in the interest 
perhaps from Nate Bucati and Jake Gutierrez. And I mean, you still you still watch them. It's not it hadn't been saying this year. That's true. You know, true. Because you know Kansas is. I mean, how often we're not even talking about Kansas not winning. How often, like the last couple of weeks, are just out of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't really can't recall. Has that happened under Bill Self? When's the last time that's happened? Man, I'm sure it has, but I don't remember it. I, You're sure that it has, or it has, Nate? Where they've just been out of it. I mean, like it's this is this is stupid. But the, the last time I vividly remember a team at Kansas not being in it in terms of like the Big Twelve race was toward the end of the Roy Williams era, um, like 2000-ish. I think it was like the Ryan Robertson-led right. team. They were like a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament. See, but I asked you about Bill Self. Yeah, and I, so I don't really remember. I should I should research that. I mean, because they're three out with three to play. Yeah. I, so I guess, I, I mean, you'd, I you'd have to, I mean... That would have to be uh, a miracle of all miracles. Kansas would have to sweep, and that includes at Baylor, home against K-State, and at Houston. Well, I mean, they won it every year from, what, 04 to 18? Right. Yeah. Uncharted territory. Yeah, I don't remember it. I mean, there's, there's, but hey. There's still a hot race going on. We can't just ignore the race just because Kansas isn't a part of it. Houston and Iowa State, it's a two-team race. Houston's 12-3, Iowa State's 11-4, but then you got Kansas and Baylor nodded at 9-6, and and then the 8-7 club featuring BYU, Texas Tech, and TCU. K-State's 7-8, and and K-State, it's important because they're battling for their NCAA tournament lives. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, Kansas is playing for seeding, and they're playing. Uh, they're, and they're playing for third place in the Big Twelve because they're taking on Baylor. Like you said, they're tied with nine and six records. So, and there's a there's always been a little, well, it's bad blood. But there's a little, there's a little rivalry between KU and Baylor, right? Oh, you can answer that before I can. There's history there. Is there? Do you feel like there is and, and rivalry? Sure. It's not like at the level of, um, I don't know. Who who are K, I mean K State obviously but who else is a big yes sir for, I mean K State yeah but outside of that I don't know if there's anybody else that the K fans probably get more fired up about in the Big Twelve than yeah, Iowa State going to Iowa State's always tough of course but anyways tough I, mean, I would say, I would say KU Iowa State's better a better rivalry yeah. than Kansas yes, and but yeah but there's like been some bad blood with you know yeah. Drew taking his team out out in the tunnel, just little things, little yeah, things. You like got that. boosters trying to fight Bill Self over names in the past. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, it's a good. That's a good point. They're one of the top teams that you're always yeah. look, looking to match up with. Well, the it's games, of, the games of note: Kansas at Baylor, as Nate calls the battle for third place. Yes, sir. He said it. I didn't. Um, Iowa State. This is this is a game. This is a tricky game for them. They got to play at UCF, so they got to win that game, obviously, to keep pace with Houston. And Houston, and it, it, it you legitimately could have a tie on Monday because Houston plays at Oklahoma. I think Houston's going to win at Oklahoma, but Oklahoma's good enough to where if they play their best game, and Houston's different on the road than they are at home, that wouldn't be the biggest shock. 
You got a line on that game yet, Jake? Houston and Oklahoma. It's a 7 o'clock game on Saturday night. UCF has been they, – they've got some upsets at home. Well, hell, they beat Kansas, <laughs> didn't they? Yeah. Of course, this year, a lot of people beating Kansas on their home floor, but – They just beat Texas Tech 75-61 to 61 that's, that's at home. That's not nothing. The last two games, they they won at home against Texas Tech seventy five to sixty one, and they went at Oklahoma State seventy seven to seventy one. So I mean that's they 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 beat Texas Tech, Oklahoma by eleven, and Kansas. They won all those games at home. Yeah. So that's no sure thing, right? That's right. So Iowa State's got to take care of business there. And then Houston and Oklahoma. K-State has to win at Cincinnati. That's an intriguing game. They got to win. Right. Got to have it. Because you look at K-State's remaining schedule. At Cincinnati. And then at Kansas. And home against Iowa State. Ooh. Yeah, those are tough. Better win at Cincinnati. Although, if, if McCullough doesn't play, that Kansas game, I feel, is is in play. At Allen Fieldhouse? Sure. Man. They lost to BYU at home. They could, they could, why couldn't they lose to K-State? Don't skin your knee. Jumping off that bandwagon? Yeah. you got it. <laughs> you nailed it. You didn't need me to say it, you know. You feel it. I'm just saying. I mean, isn't that like if they if they can lose to BYU at home that, without McCuller, they're a different team. They they don't have a replacement for him. Yeah. Sure, anything could happen. You going to that game? Oh no. Have you gone to any Kansas games this year? I know your uh, schedule is packed. But I went to the one at uh, T-Mobile. Okay. Yeah. There you go. I haven't been to the Field House. I don't believe. So there's some intriguing matchups. There's a lot left on the table to play for. So we'll see. Any uh, any preference on who wins the conference since Kansas can't? Would you rather see Houston win it or Iowa State? Oh, or man, a tie? That's a good question. I, uh, Houston. No, why? I mean, I was curious why. Is it because you like Kelvin Sampson and you like Houston or because you don't like Iowa State? Because I don't like Iowa State. And you'd rather not have them as champs. Okay, I, I think there's a little bit of both. I do like Kelvin Sampson. I, I mean, but I, there's nothing more about being Iowa State if you don't want them to win. It. If you don't want them to win it, that's fine. That's totally acceptable. But it's both. But mostly because I don't want Iowa State to win it. Okay. You don't want Houston to come in here in their first. Yeah, year that's kind of where you know, I'm at. Is I, don't, I don't know if I, I want somebody want, to come thought, into the you conference. You thought your conference yeah. is good? Let's just come in here. We'll just win it the first year. Yeah. That's fine. You know that doesn't bother you at no. all. Okay. I don't. I think that. I think I kind of pull for Iowa State on that front. So why does that? Why would that? I don't know. It, it's uh, I don't really care. The for, the truth is, I, I I like Kelvin Sampson a lot. I think Iowa State's a great program that deserves to win titles. Coach, Coach Champs would be nice. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I love Coach Champs. Everybody's happy. Yeah. Everybody gets a trophy. Yeah. But I, I like Kelvin Sampson. I don't have anything against him. Not a big fan of the city of Houston in general. Um, we have to get that deep into it. That's fine. 
I'm with but you on that. It's, it's, it's just, just too big. It's just a big concrete jumble. It's too big. Yeah. It's, and what is it? Like, you know, where's, you know, it just. It's, eh. it's mammoth. Yeah, that's what it is. It's just a big oil town. You know, a lot of money. Not a lot of. Like, you know, we have a, a loop. 435 goes around the city. It's got like four of them. Yeah. They go around the city. They just like it's, keep expanding out, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Like four different areas that seem like downtown. Yeah. You're not really sure. It's just a weird town. But um, that has nothing to do with the, with the basketball team, I guess. I I like Kelvin Sampson. It wouldn't bother me if he won. Although I I kind of feel like I don't want somebody to come from a from a smaller quote unquote conference just walk right in and cruise through the league their first year. That seems a little. It should be harder than that. No, I think they're gonna. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't think they're cruising through it, though. I mean, they've it's been pretty pretty amazing how consistent they've been and some of the big wins they've gotten. What how many losses they have in the league? Twenty five and three, twelve and three in the league. I mean, that's, I feel if they're cruising, they'd already have it locked up. Well, I mean, they might after yeah tomorrow. Yeah, I just said you know I painted a scenario where it could be a, a tie. What if Iowa State stumbles at UCF and Houston wins at Oklahoma? Then they've got a two game lead over everyone. Yep. Suppose that would be cruising, and just just think if if Kansas were to lose at Baylor and Houston wins, they'd have a four game lead over Kansas. Who would have thought that with two left? So that I think that's as much as you can possibly cruise. Yeah, I mean twelve and three your first year in the Big Twelve is pretty is pretty damn good, and I just I don't see a loss. Right? I mean, here's two things I'll, I'll I'll say about this. Number one, they're going to show up anyway, but can you imagine what the turnout and what the vibe will be if Iowa State rolls in here as Big 12 champs? Oh, they're going to take over oh, Kansas City. God. You know that. Jake's already. Now Jake's really. <laughs> sour about that. But seriously, because they show up anyway oh, when yeah, they're they good. Do, yeah. But if they roll in here as Big 12 champs. They're going to strut in. Good here. night. Hey, look, I show them respect because I'm rooting against you better, them. You better make I, I sure. I just like them because they're good. And enough they have beer, great fans. Enough beer to sell because they will buy it all. Don't leave any property they're down in the well, P&L at night. Yeah. Another story. So then, I, I here's the question that I'm looking forward to being answered. Rough, rough experiences with Iowa State fans at Johnny's. Uh, you've, yes, back in my drinking yes. days. What if Houston comes in here as the clear, you know, Big Twelve champs? I wonder what kind of support they're going to get. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the Houston fans will travel like. Right? I have no idea because it's not just you know. An ordinary year, it's it's, it's the it's, there's excitement. There has to be excitement because it's their first year in the Big Twelve. It's their first year to play up in Kansas City in the in the best atmosphere for the best conference tournament in the nation, right? Mm-hmm. And so even before the season, like and you know you're going to be good. Like you know what? Let's make plans to go up to Kansas City because you, you see it on TV. That that's a great atmosphere. Let's go up. That's a, that's a worthwhile trip. Let's go up there and support our team in the tournament. Then, as the season goes on, you see, oh, we're we're the number one team in the nation. We got a chance to. We're going we're gonna to get a number one seed, and we might win the Big Twelve championship outright. How many people are going to say at that point? <laughs> let's, if we're ever going to go up to Kansas City, first year in the Big Twelve, and we're top dogs in the nation, let's go. But I just don't. I'm 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 too unfamiliar with their fan base and their support, 
and how they travel, I'm very curious to see what they bring to Kansas City. Because if there was ever a time you were going to hit the road and go support your team in Kansas City, wouldn't this be it? The newness of it, because it's your first chance to play in this tournament. And then you come in not only as the number one seed in the tournament, but possibly the number one seed in the nation. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, like, if you were in college or you were, I mean, wouldn't you, like, you were known to get in an RV and hit the road to support your team? Wouldn't, or Jake or whatever, wouldn't you think, like, oh. plus it might be around spring break. We're, we're going. See you later. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's, like, the only downside of the Big 12 tournament being here is that usually the turnout from the, the old Big 12 South schools it never really is great, right? You don't get huge crowds from any of the teams, you know, down from Oklahoma and Texas. Oh, the guy with the sweet beard from Baylor. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, the, one, the one Baylor guy. The mustache. Um, so maybe Houston would be a team that would really travel. I don't know. We'll see. That'd be nice. I mean, it's, it's fun having fans from all the other schools in town. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think it would be great. Easy to get. I mean, easy flights from Houston to Kansas City. You know, Southwest has direct flights every day. Easy to get up here. So does United. I used to fly, fly down there directly. So it's good. E- so that yeah. wouldn't be a problem. Easy flight. Yeah, Houston's one of those towns. There's a lot of, there's a lot of flights in yeah. and out. Two airports. I used to have to fly through there regularly to fly somewhere else. Right. What about for is that is that uh, drive unreasonable? Is that not doable? It's a long drive because Houston's way down there. You know, like Dallas is North Texas. Houston's they call it East Texas, but it's Southeast. You know, it's way down there. So that's a long. That's a add a couple hours on that drive. Like Eleven and a half. Eleven hours. Nothing. Me and my boys, not my, my, me and my friends, not my sons, but me and you were right, was my son, junior I can't remember what year it was. We, we, drove, we, we, drove, we drove to Padre Island. <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby. Just, yeah, just, you did. Just stopping for gas, and that's yeah. stopping for gas and food. Padre. We were in the car for 24 yeah. hours. <laughs> you did so go to Padre, Padre Island? That would be a big deal. Oh, South Padre. It was, dude, it was great. Yeah. And that was right in the... Like MTV at South Padre. Was that, I can't remember. It was either 94, 94. MTV was down yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely they were. MTV was down there. Yeah, spring break. I was a... Uh, I spring break 94, I Padre Island. I was a... Uh, I got picked to be a... Uh... Were you up on stage? Yeah. <laughs> uh... Thinking, thinking, thinking. Do you say it? Yeah, I mean, what, I mean, I can't control what I did. No, it's, it's, it's the, the past. past. It's history. Right. Um, you can't shut the door on it. I was selected to be uh, a trainer for a bikini boxing match. Yeah, there you go. Oil, <laughs> <laughs> kind of. And it was like, you know, I wanted, I wanted, you know, it was like this could be my. John Candy and Stripes moment. Oh boy, but it wasn't. Yeah. But, but you know, but I was there. Yeah. You know, I gave instru- I gave good instruction. That's all you can do. My fighter won. I could tell you that. Yes, yeah, she did. Yeah, you know why? I mean, honestly, you know why? Because she used the jab. 
Yeah, I see, well, you, I see you win this title. Yeah, this, yeah. this, this yeah. girl I was doing. Yeah, to fight. Lead, lead with the jab. You know, I see. You know what? You don't have to you have, forget. You have a right arm. We're just gonna, <laughs> we're just gonna win this with a jab. That's it. Keep that by yeah. the chin. <laughs> Keep that by the chin. Because, man, let me tell you this: the excitement fueled us and carried us through that trip down there. One of the worst experiences in my life was the trip back. Oh. Sunburn, broke, <laughs> beaten, battered, just terrible. Just, a te- just one of the worst drive. That's that's the worst drive I've ever had in my life, driving back. Like, down there, you could, you're like, we're going to yeah. spring break. We're going to spring break. We're going, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. This is going to be driving back. <sighs> Kill me now. Um... Yeah, eleven hours. If you, I mean, college student, you, you, you know, yeah. It's like the, it's the rever- it's the reverse spring break trip. Yeah, you know, instead of driving down there, you drive right. up here. Have some fun in Kansas City. I don't That'd know. Be I'll, I'll be very interested to see what kind of crowd they bring. If they're if they're ever going to bring a crowd to this deal, it's you know, it's their, their spring break starts Monday, March eleventh. Go, that's Houston spring break. There it is. Because I don't, I just don't, you know. I just can't imagine UCF, BYU, or Cincinnati packing the stands. Just, you know, like, so? like maybe Cincy in a year if they were having a, a great year, but they're you know you know what I mean. It's yeah. just like no, UCF would be a little bit of a different travel. You know, yeah, and uh, for BYU, there's, there's just too much damn caffeine in this town. They're not you know <laughs> caffeine and booze yeah. all over town. Right. Can't handle it. Uh, BYU travels well, man. They they, they traveled really well to the KU football game. Did they? Yeah, they had a good they had a good section there. And I think some of that is a hey, first year in the league, you know, right. new places to go. Well, they they picked I guess their their alumni association picked Kansas as the road game. Like this is the game we're going to go to. Got their asses kicked, you yeah. know. But uh That's different though like going like to just, Yeah, picking one football yeah. game. But for basketball, maybe they go. Hey, let's let's make yep. our road trip the Big Twelve tournament. They got a good team. That'd be good. So that'd be yeah. Yeah, I would say it would be Houston one, and then BYU two, and then Cincy. They normally would be a good right. crowd, but just they're just you know they're not a tournament team. And then UCF might end up being like the guy from Baylor. Yeah. Hey, hey buddy, I'm here. One guy dressed up as yeah. a knight. Over there, you'll be on stage. Like, who do we have here from UCF? <laughs> I'm up here. My hotel, when I've been down in Orlando the last couple times for MLS games, is right on the campus of UCF. So I walked around campus the other How day is it? a little bit. You like that? It's a it's a big campus, the big school, and there's like it seems like every building has something to do with Walt Disney World. Like the the Disney, like they like the culinary school is. You go to you can go to UCF. It appears like there's a big sign on one of the buildings right by my hotel. Oh boy! That says like the Disney Culinary School. So yeah. if you want to go learn how to cook, the kind of you know, can be a the kind of food they cook at the Disney properties or whatever. I, I guess I, I have no idea what kind of food they cook. They there. got all kinds of fancy restaurants at all those places. Oh. So you can you can study that if you go to. Central I've Florida. avoided the peer pressure of visiting. Any of the Disney properties yeah. in my life as a parent. The only time I went was when oh, I God. was like twelve, and my dad took me and my mom to L.A. and took us to Hollywood, and we yeah. went to. I think we went to Disneyland for like forty-five minutes. <laughs> Steve St. John Senior was not having it. <laughs> <laughs> 
the hell are we doing here? You know, just. Yeah. So, yeah, I have not. We haven't taken our kids any of the ones in Orlando. We went to, we were on a work trip in L.A. We took our kids to Disneyland one time. It was fun. I liked it. Get in your pockets, tell you that. Oh, much. yeah. I just, yeah. <laughs> I got I got the pocket block on that. <laughs> we will, uh, Dad, can we go to Disneyland? No, we're going to the Cotton Bowl instead. Cotton Bowl. We will uh, take a break. Back after this on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Leave it to our listeners to bring up really good points. Chief Blue 69, which hey. Jake's a big fan of his I'm gonna go follow Twitter him. handle. Chief Blue yeah, 69. Yeah. Hey. Said Houston played in KC in the NCAA tournament last year. Not sure if you already mentioned that on air. Uh, I was there, and I don't remember there being an overwhelming amount of Houston fans, but Texas was also in the, in the regional. Uh, anyways, love and enjoy the show. And that is a good point. So they played... In the um, Sweet 16 in Kansas City last year, but if you remember, they were upset by Miami, and Texas was also here, and they beat Xavier, and then Miami beat uh, Texas. I have no recollection of that game in the Elite Eight, uh, but I think it's different because it, it's in the Big 12. Like they've known all year, they're going to be in Kansas City, so you have more time to plan. And there's a, you know, there's a far better chance that you're going to play a couple of games, multiple games here. And with the NCAA tournament, you know, you, you find out, and you only, you know, if you're going to go see them in the Sweet 16, well, you got to kind of wait to make sure they win in the first couple of rounds because the NCAA tournament anything happens, and then you only have a certain amount of time. Uh, to get tickets and to get up here. And so they've known all year long they're going to be up here, and they've known all year long they've been pretty damn good. And so I don't know, Stan. Stan Weber's in studio. What do you what do you expect from Houston, considering it's it's their, their first year in the conference, first year to play in Kansas City in the, NCAA, in, the in the Big 12 tournament, but they have a chance to come in here as the one seed uh, in the tournament and, the, and maybe the number one team in the nation. What, what, kind, of, what kind of crowd do you expect them to bring? You laid out a lot of reasons why they should bring a lot, but I don't expect much. If you go to Houston, I went to the arena. It is a very small arena. I mean, just because they're in the city of Houston has nothing to do with the university. And the fact is, I bet if you did a survey, I shouldn't say fact because I don't know, the survey of the population, I bet there are way more Texas fans and Texas A&M fans and maybe LSU fans who live in Houston and really support their teams, not just casual. I mean, really are excited about their team than there are Houston fans in their own city. So, And this basketball team's been good. <clears throat> this is not the first year, <clears throat> the big pop, you know, hey, I can't believe we're number one in the country, can't believe we're competing for a top ten type basketball team. That's been part of Houston basketball. I mean, Kelvin Sampson's done a great job there year after year after year. So I don't expect them to follow the follow their team in big numbers. I just don't I don't see the excitement around Houston athletics that's anything near what we're used to. Right. Compared to our standards. Now you mentioned a lot of reasons why whatever the number is, how many people? Three hundred, one hundred, two thousand, whatever the number is, it should be doubled or tripled because of the reasons you said compared to what their normal uh group is. Right. But I just don't I, I'm not optimistic about Houston fans. 
just like when Baylor was really good, they didn't really bring that many people up to Kansas City. And you'd think that they'd be very excited because they understand the history. When they were competing with Kansas head-to-head, toe-to-toe, you'd think they'd even be more excited. Houston can naively think, well, we're good at basketball. We're always a top-10 team uh, recently, so why wouldn't we be there again? And they don't really understand the Kansas blue cloud that hangs over the basketball conference. And I think that's one of the things. Conference realignment, changing subjects slightly, conference realignment is most interesting to me because the reputation, the intimidation that you bring to your conference foes, well-earned, doesn't affect the new guys at all. They just walk right through it, and they're immune to it. The fog, you know, BYU walks in and goes, hey, why can't we win here? Remember when Nebraska football, I, I remember you just walk into the stadium, a Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, and you're like, we're going to lose. All the fans do it. All the players knew it. It's like something bad's going to happen today because those are the Huskers over there. And when they went to the Big Ten, Northwestern walks in the first year and just beats them. Remember Texas, what they did to Southwest Conference teams. Oh, the big, bad Longhorns are here. And everywhere they traveled, it's kind of the same thing I said about Houston. There were as many Texas fans in their town as there were their own fans at times. And so you have your home game, and here's Texas, you know, a big roar to bad Longhorns around. And when K-State started playing against Texas and the Big 12 teams, we said, oh, no big deal, let's just beat them. So I think there was a little bit of that this week with BYU, not knowing the difference that, hey, you're supposed to lose to Kansas, and you're supposed to, you know, when Pope got that te- technical, like that was the final touch. You know, you're up by, what, was Kansas up by two or three, had a foul going to the free throw line, and now they give you a soft technical Allen Fieldhouse, you lose. Bye-bye. Every other team in the Big 12 would have said, oh, here we go again. All of our guys are fouled out. We have tons of fouls. There's no way we're going to overcome this. And what did BYU do? Ah, Just played right on through. Won the game. So maybe there's an attitude with Houston that they don't actually understand what they're doing right now. To pass Kansas up in this conference just does not happen. And Houston's making it look easy. All right, let's let's move on to football because I've got – got a lot of stuff – to talk about with you, Stan. And the number one, we have not talked about this uh, on the show because it happened, uh, just came out yesterday. But this is one of those stories that that I saw, as soon as I saw it, well, I want to talk to Stan about this. This would have me very excited because let me tell you something. My experience of watching the Super Bowl with one of my dear friends, Anthony, I thought he was going to lose his mind multiple times because of bad spots the Chiefs were given. When it appeared, they picked up a first down, and it appeared that the officials gave him a bad spot, and no one was mentioning it or challenging it, and we were lo- we were going crazy. And Anthony kept looking at us, what the hell's going on? What's, what's happening? They just they just cheated us out of a first down, and no one's saying anything. The announce crew's not saying nothing. There's no replay. What's happening? And so... Uh, i read you the story uh, from SI.com. The clock might be ticking on the chain gang's time on NFL sidelines. The league tested optical tracking for line-to-gain rulings at MetLife Stadium, Hard Rock Stadium, and at the Super Bowl this season, according to NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. If implemented, it could take over the measuring duties from the league's iconic chain gang. Pelissero also reported the NFL is vetting other technology to aid officiating, including high-res cameras on the goal line, sideline, and end line, and a skeletrack system to track the footballs, players, 
and officials. The technology is not expected to be ready for the 2024 season, and it would require a vote among NFL owners to be adapted into the rule book. Man, do this yesterday. I mean, just I'm just talking about simply to get the 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 spot correct because it's just it's just, half the time it just it seems like it's a guess. It's just guesswork. And does that that drives me crazy? It was driving me crazy in the postseason. It seems that especially in the Super Bowl, Stan. I don't know what you think, but I would love to see this happen. Well, the technology will be awesome, but I think you're focus in on the second piece of the technology. The first piece is just to say we don't have to bring the sticks out. We know where the first down is. But I don't think that changes the marking. If you read through the first part, it just says that they'll know with the technology, as soon as you set the ball down, they'll go, that's a first down. You don't need to measure. You don't need to do anything else. But that doesn't mean that is the knee down or not. The official still decides that until they get the technology to show knee down where is the front of the football because I've heard for many, many years are thinking about putting something in the football yes. to track. But hopefully they don't have to do that. Hopefully there's a, just a, a way that they can see it otherwise rather than put things in the football. Because that would be a little weird if that, you know, when you're trying to spin a football and there's something, how is it stuck in there? You know, is it glued on? Does it change the weight of the football? I don't know. I'm sure the technology won't matter. But, yeah, that will all be good to be more precise and quick. Right. The quickness of it right now, what I don't like, and I will tell you this uh, technology you're talking about will fix this. And especially in the college game, a guy falls down and they just point. You see the official give the old finger in his chest like no one can see it on TV. It's a first down. And I'm going, dude, you're looking inward. The chains are behind you. How can you say that's a first down? They just say anything close is like arena football. Anything close called a first down. And now they won't have to do that. If the ball's down and it's an inch short, we won't have the official going, hey, give him a first down. And that's a little pet peeve of mine. Uh, but all the spotting is very important because it's amazing that three downs or four downs and ten yards ends up being so close at the end. Just like baseball. How did they ever figure out exactly how long it took to pitch, catch or throw the ball to second base, a guy stealing, and it all comes in with a millisecond difference to make it fun, right, on a – a, a stolen a base attempt. And in football, those 10 yards are so hard to gain. So yeah, I think this technology will speed things up, make it more accurate. I'd be all for it. And it won't change the game. It won't significantly change the game. I don't like these rules that you know cut out 10 plays of the game. That's the rules I don't want to see. So I think this would be great. Nate, Jake, any uh, opinions on this? Total no-brainer. I mean, it's it's um, they have the technology to do it. And I don't know what kind of device that you put on the ball to track it or not. Maybe it's just a sticker or something like that that allows the, the satellite. But, I mean, when when we look at all these sports now, there's satellite or whatever. you Not satellite, but there's data tracking on every single player. I mean, we, we have to study that when I do these MLS games now. They have these advanced statistics that can tell you exactly how many miles each guy ran, GPS. where his map is, everything. that he, They've got cameras positioned all over the stadium that track all these things. And these stat companies are doing it just for stats now. So if you can do it for stats, you ought to do it for what actually affects the game. And and there's no, for example, and, and they don't use it in Major League Soccer, but in other parts of the world they have goal line technologies, the same type of thing. It can just tell you automatically did the entire ball cross the goal line or not because that's the difference between whether it's a goal or not. And trying to find a perfect camera angle is difficult for that. But so that the referee just looks at his watch and it tells him, yeah, the ball crossed the line or no, it didn't. And then he can say, yes, it was a goal. 
There's no sport where the placement of the ball matters more than in football. The whole point of the game is where, how far you got is where you get to claim your territory. You know, I mean, that's what matters. And so, yes, 100%, it should not come down to a ref. If, if you have the technology, it should never come down to a ref eyeballing it and deciding, uh, yeah, it looks like he was down right They here. don't even do that. That's my problem. They yeah. just go, yeah, and then the they guy get gets tackled, and they go, right. yeah, give him the first down. Like, right. Wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah. Set the ball down first. Well, then, I mean, like what we're talking about, too, in, the, in that in that that game – the, the the Super Bowl, the Chiefs, there are multiple times where the ball just gets spotted and now you're stuck with the cha- – do I challenge this and hope that the replay has a good enough angle that will show us that we did get six inches further and so we should have a first down? Or do we take our chances that we can get third and six, so let's just go ahead and not wor- worry about losing one of our timeouts? Those, those are – Things that you shouldn't have to worry about if, if there's technology that instantaneously and more accurately can tell you how far you got with the ball. And like you said, they're going to probably have to come up with a way where and it might take a little review or was his knee down? Where was the ball when his knee was down? But I'm sure they can figure that part They'll out. They'll figure that out, but they have to have that because yeah. that's still either yeah. a, a replay, accuracy with technology, or a call, subjective, subjective call by the official. Someone's got to say... When did the D hit? Because a lot of or times the officials are correct. Stopped. That's the one that yeah. it's so More hard to say because yeah. that used to be a big part of the rule. Mm-hmm. Now they kind of just slough past that. <laughs> so I'm not sure. But they say you can't review. If I called forward progress yeah. on you and then you fumbled, right? yeah. it can't be reviewed. Yeah. So they, they don't go that way. I'll say this, Stephen, as the technology picks up, you know what the next thing's going to be with that technology. What's that? And it's a relevant thing to the NFL and to the Chiefs, especially this year, they're going to know if the offensive linemen are lined up legally. See, the offensive lineman's helmet, even the tackle, all the way out there to the tackle, or a tight end who's on the line, his helmet is supposed to cross the top of the uh, pants of the center. So the center's bent over, so what is that's about three-fourths of the way back on his body before he gets to his butt. Your head should be up touching his belt line. Where the white jersey touches the, the 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 red jersey touches the white pants, everybody should be there. And NFL, they they have a instead of a straight line, they have to do a lot of Ving. Yeah. Does that make sense? If yeah. you you fly back, and usually it's like the guard kind of barely touches the top of his helmet, <laughs> and then the tackle says, "Well, relative to the guard, I'm not too far back, right?" And they could clean that up. Mm-hmm. Where they say, and you know what happens when that happens, Stephen? We get a little bit more pass rush because one thing that's the holding rules that are allowed, the grabbing that's allowed, the big guys, the way they pass block, learn it as little kids, learn how to pass block, and that they start off the ball and get their angles. That guy, that edge rusher's angle is much wider because the tackle's lined up back off the ball as far as he can possibly be, and usually illegally. Okay? If he has to line up more in a straight line, and those fast defensive ends come around the corner, guess what? Guess what? The pass rush will be a bigger part of of football, and it'll affect the passing game because the NFL right now doesn't really want that. They want the passing game to flourish. They want it to flourish. But in the old days, if you go back and look at the sack numbers, now they, it was not an official stat, but the amount of times that guys got back and got to the quarterback were immensely higher because the guys had to keep their hands inside and do little chicken wings <laughs> and try to block a guy going past you while he could hit you in the head. Mm-hmm. Literally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They would yeah. hit you in the head while you couldn't reach your arms out at all. They went around them pretty fast. So, 
Think about that technology, Stephen. They're going to have the wide receivers, the tight ends. Everyone's going to be lined up legally, and he will not even have to think about it. A computer just goes beep, 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 <laughs> and throws a, you know, someone throws a flag out. They'll probably have some computerization where some robot or something actually throws the flag out there. Keep Kadarius Tony on sides. Exactly, you know. And maybe they'll give you a, like a, a, little, a little warning, like a little thing in your helmet that tells you. Yeah, just like scoot back, scoot back, and then you can look down and, and step back. And he'll step say, back. I'm good. <laughs> no, because that's what he kept telling you in the yeah. interview. You he remember did. that? He did. I, do, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, just making sure. Stan, you remember that interview? Top oh, yes. t- top ten interview in uh, WBC history is what what it's been called. Top ten, call yeah. Maybe top five. Is that, says a, is that like the follies, football follies, like the really the bottom ten, or is I it really know. a top ten? Uh, the top ten, top ten, or the bottom ten? Uh, the, uh, the reaction we got from it, it might be top ten good. I don't know. It might uh, be both. As you try to get ready for this game. I'm good. See? They think you know he's good. We'll take that a break. That was his longest sentence, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Two words. Yeah. Yeah. Back after this on WHP. So there was a good article at The Athletic by... Diana Rossini and Nate Taylor. I like Diana. She's good. About Chris Jones. This was put out yesterday. And it starts with uh, a description of what's going on down in Indianapolis in the corners of downtown bars and the lobbies of several hotels and even the negotiations behind closed doors. Most of the conversations at the NFL Combine surrounding Chiefs pass rusher Chris Jones have reached an understandable unanimous sentiment. One league source said earlier this week he deserves to get paid. Another league source said, I would give him a ton. A third NFL source said he should get a massive deal from the Chiefs. Uh, The race to retain Jones began this week. The Chiefs hope to do just that before 11 a.m. Central on March 11th when agents of unrestricted free agents can enter contract negotiations with any interested team. Brett Veach has acknowledged this week that Jones, resigning Jones, is the team's top priority. And here's the key uh, part of this. By Thursday afternoon, when several members of the organization flew home to Kansas City, there was growing optimism, according to league sources, that the Chiefs will agree to a new contract with Jones before free agency. Similar to this time last year, Jones wants a contract that will pay him an average annual salary of $30 million, which would make him the league's third highest paid defensive player behind Nick Bosa and Aaron Donald. He had 10 and a half sacks and 29 quarterback hits last year. Uh, and we all know what he did in the, in the postseason, what he did in the Super Bowl. Uh, the Chiefs will likely have to offer a contract that's more lucrative than what Pittsburgh gave T.J. Watt in 2021, which was four years, $112 million, with $80 million guaranteed for Jones to agree to continue his career with the franchise that made him a second-round pick in 2016. Veach has already made two moves that increased the Chiefs' odds of retaining Jones in the wake of the news that the NFL salary cap for 2024 will be set at $255.4 million. That's an unprecedented $30.6 million increase for each franchise. They uh, released MVS, which created $12 million in cap space with just $2 million in dead money. 
And then uh, they are also expected to place for the franchise tag on Legereus Need before the 3 p.m. Central deadline on March 5th. Uh, and they have given him permission to seek a trade, which is similar to what they did in 2019 when the Chiefs placed the franchise tag on D. Ford and then traded him to the Niners for a second-round pick. If the Chiefs enter the, into advanced trade discussions for Snead, they would seek at least a second-round pick. Since Tuesday, six teams have shown interest in acquiring Snead, according to a league source. So there's a, a lot just there to unpack. She also says that the Chiefs could create more salary cap space by converting a sizable amount of the roster bonus and quarterback Patrick Mahomes' contract into a signing bonus, and the same could also be done with Joe Tooney's contract. What do you think about what's happening right now, Stan? Makes all the sense in the world that Chris Jones is on his way to being signed as the Kansas City Chief. It's just a matter of finding the right amount of money. And, you know, you need to give him a lot, and they will. But that doesn't mean he doesn't give them a hometown discount by maybe structuring his contract in a way that's helpful to the Chiefs, like Patrick Mahomes did, or maybe a million or two less a year. So it sounds like giant dollars, but it could be a little bit higher. I think probably the thing you want to do on the joking side is to uh, have him over Patrick Mahomes' house, have him spend like three or four or five hours there, drink a lot, and then have him come over and he'd say, I want to be a Kansas City <laughs> <That's right>. Chief! <laughs> That's right. That's how you get deals done, you know? And then whatever Veach says will work. I, I've been optimistic that he sees the value in being a Kansas City Chief, and, and the Chiefs see the value there. And the way this, you know, they had to pick. With two guys, there was a lot of pressure on could they keep one, both. But with Snead's situation playing out the way it is, it makes it more simple because if Snead gets traded, then the salary cap hit of him being a franchise player goes away because a franchise player, all the money that you're going to pay him, that guaranteed amount of money uh, for one year is counted against the salary cap. You don't get any allocation over future years. When you sign a contract, you can always decide how much you want to be bonus and then that bonus amount gets divided by the number of years of the contract, and that's all that accounts against the salary cap. That's why Patrick Mahomes can get paid $30 million on April 15th or whatever a day might be, and you could call it, here's a, a, a salary cap hit of $30 million this year, or you could say, let's do something with years on your contract, change it to a bonus, and now we get it allocated over time. Patrick Mahomes' contract, the first thing I saw when it was signed, I go, this sets the Chiefs up. For his whole career, he can continually help the team and doesn't have to give up any money. He, he doesn't have to. Oh, he's so nice to help the Chiefs. Well, all you got to do is accept money up front, call it a bonus, and you're really not being hurt at all. So it is a win-win deal. Can they get some of that in Chris Jones's contract? You know, a little bit of that love back and forth, probably so. So I think he'll get signed. All right, we'll talk more about what's going on and uh, Stan. I want to get your thoughts on uh, possibly tagging and trading. Legerious need because that looks like uh, what's going to happen next. We'll take a break though. Back after this with more from Stan Weber on Sports Radio 810 WHP.